0: So Good morning. My name is Michael Hildebrand. I'm the director of the Upstate Mobility Alliance. And this morning I have Suzanne Dickerson, who's the director of logistics industry initiatives with South Carolina Council on Competitiveness. So Good morning, Suzanne.
1: Good morning. Good to see you.
0: So if you would just uh, first tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and then uh, what does the South Carolina Council on Competitiveness actually do?
1: Right. Thank you. So, I have a 20-year background in the automotive industry. Um, so I worked for BMW both in Germany and here in Plant Spartanburg. I was in logistics um, in my last role there. Um, and then I, when I left BMW, I went over to Clemson uh, to help start up the International Center for Automotive Research. So I really. All my time at BMW and automotive was in manufacturing, and then I went over to the research side, which is equally interesting and exciting, especially these days. Um, And in 2016, I joined the Council on Competitiveness team to lead up one of the three Industry clusters that we manage there. So, the South Carolina Council on Competitiveness is really focused on, we're a business led, uh, nonpartisan organization focused on long term growth of South Carolina. And we do that really in three ways. Um, one is through our educational initiatives like Transform SC in our schools. Um, through actionable research and then through the management of these industry clusters. So we manage SC Aerospace, we manage Tech SC, and we manage my SC Logistics cluster.
0: Okay. So I can imagine that uh, the logistics has a lot of different pieces to it. Um, can you tell us a, a few kind of interesting stats about uh, logistics and transportation uh, in South Carolina?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, If I had to pick one statistic um, that our team kind of wakes up every day thinking about, it would be the freight projections for 2040. So the writing on South Carolina's wall shows that we know now already that between the modes of rail and road and air freight and maritime, we'll be moving at least 60% more freight then. So we need to be proactively thinking about how do we do that in a way that's effective and sustainable and, and all those things. So with our industry clusters, we focus on that kind of as a long term goal. And we have, you know, activities going on all throughout the year that help us to keep that front and center. Um, but that's a very big driving statistic for our state. Um, that, you know, I think those numbers may even be conservative, honestly.
0: So what's driving that increase? What what is there a particular uh, piece of manufacturing or is it just kind of the industry all in South Carolina? What's the well, it,
1: it's certainly related to the manufacturing output, right? So um by any measure South Carolina has been wildly successful at recruiting, you know, world-class companies to come here and and build their products here. So it's everything from getting what's needed out of their supply chains into our ports and into their facilities and then getting finished product back out. But yes, it's a direct correlation.
0: So so we've got both the incoming and the outgoing uh, that that we've got to focus on. So uh, part of the Upstate Mobility Alliance, as you know, uh, as co-chair for our growing mobility investment, is to improve the movement of both people and goods across the upstate. Uh, from your view, what initiatives have been put in place that have uh, done a good job of improving that movement of goods? So, I mean,
1: I have to pick the Inland Port and Greer um, as a favorite example, but also because it's probably one of the biggest um, impacts, right? So in 2013, um, when that collaboration between BMW and Norfolk Southern and the South Carolina Port Authority opened up that new facility, which essentially brings, you know, the port of Charleston 212 miles inland um, and allows you to be able to move um, what would be going out on trucks on I-26 down to Charleston onto rail. In the very first year, they took 25,000 trucks off the road. And three years later, that number had already tripled. So that has to be, you know, one of the biggest impacts that we've seen here in terms of more efficient, and more environmentally sustainable movement of goods. Um, But we shouldn't all forget that we also uh, have a new gateway, you know, project here uh, that I think, you know, for those of us that live in the upstate, we're all um, feeling the positive effects of that project, right? We got increased capacity there, better movement and flow of traffic. So, um, you know, that certainly also has to be mentioned.
0: And I would imagine if we if we focus on the, the 10 county upstate region, but when we do think about, uh, you know, we've got to move, we do still move goods from the upstate to Charleston on truck. And so um, I can imagine there are other uh, roadway projects in South Carolina that, that also are coming on board in the next couple of years that will really also help. Uh, while it'll be an immediate impact in for those communities, I imagine the upstate will benefit as well. I think of right. uh, what's commonly referred to as malfunction junction in Columbia.
1: Right.
0: Uh, you know so So when we think about uh, road projects in the state and and I always hear people talk about, you know well the funds are not being used here locally, uh, the impact, though locally from an economic development standpoint, um, I imagine would would benefit us. where that
1: project happened. That's right and I would suggest people go to the SCDOT webpage actually they have a place on their website called Project Viewer and if they're wondering what's going on in their local area they can actually you know kind of zoom in on the map and go to their neighborhood go to their county and look at the projects that are slated. There's start dates, there durations. Um, what's exactly happening? Is it maintenance? Is it, you know, increase in capacity and so forth? And I think that helps people to understand um, where those dollars are being spent. That's a really good tool.
0: No, I'm glad you mentioned that. I was um, at a at a panel recently where the. DOT secretary was speaking and she mentioned that website and, and just the transparency that it's created. I, I'm glad you mentioned that. It's a really good, good resource. So we talk about efficient networks. What does a, a truly efficient network look like? I mean, are there cities around this country that are doing it well that we would like to copy? Are there specific uh, pieces that we would like to bring here? Uh, what, what do you, you kind of see as a model? More efficiency?
1: Yeah. So I think there are a couple of things. So, you know, there's obviously the infrastructure investments into things like, like, I do look at Georgia and, and often appreciate what they're doing with their express corridors, right? The Peach Pass yeah. is going farther and, and wider in all directions across the state of Georgia. Um, so there are those kinds of infrastructure heavy efficiencies that can be gained through investment in infrastructure. Um, and then you know there are also examples where you know software is your best friend and and cities like in Seattle and Chicago who are using software um, and setting up websites where the varying agencies you know the water agencies and the um, road agencies and the Department of Transportation folks can all look at what is scheduled uh, so as to better increase the cohesiveness of the planning so that you don't have a scenario where a road gets torn up one week because of water maintenance issue and the next week was scheduled to be torn up for a different reason right Uh, so i think that so i think that it can be you know things that are more capital extensive in terms of investment but can also be things that are not that capital intensive right right? um so i like both of those and we probably need a, a nice mix of all of that
0: Yeah, no, you know, so, so we hear, especially on the, on the moving people side, a lot of discussion about autonomous vehicles. Mm -hmm. Is there, is there uh, some of those similar discussions happening in the logistics space around using uh, any, is there any place currently that's piloting those that's showing a benefit?
1: Well, sure. And, you know, um, And that really ranges broadly, but of course we have uh, commercial autonomous vehicles in the pipeline, right? That is coming. In fact, South Carolina is a state that has allowed for autonomous vehicles to be used on our interstates and our highways here. Um, And that at the time I looked uh, at that, we were only one of nine states who had allowed for that exception. Um, And then, you know, we should also think about kind of the things that congest our city areas, which would include you know, a number of companies, FedEx and others, logistics firms have small autonomous robots that can deliver your parcels, you know? And in yeah. this, where we are today, as we find ourselves, you know, in um, the middle of a dealing with a pandemic, I've seen a lot of that implementation and more adoption of the autonomous robots for contactless delivery of groceries. Yeah. Right. So it can be, um, you know, everything from as large as an autonomous um, ocean ship that would be bringing product here. Mm-hmm. Companies like Habak Lloyd and others are piloting those types of vessels okay. to, you know, a small little robot that would open its drawer and give you your, your parcel delivery, right? Mm-hmm. And everything in between. So that is certainly going to play a role. Um, in our logistics economy going forward. Okay,
0: so you, so you mentioned the, the coronavirus, and I can imagine it is having a, a major impact on transportation and logistics, probably both in positive and negative ways. What, Which, do you, uh, what are you seeing right now, and do you think these are uh, short-term, or are there gonna be lasting effects from this?
1: So it's very much a mixed bag, right? So it depends on, where the logistics company has its focus and in particular on which market segments. So the ones that are kind of temporarily um, down are automotive and retail, right? So the trucking companies and the warehousing and distribution folks who were focused on those are obviously feeling that pinch. However, those that are in the healthcare, uh, medical supplies, food, grocery delivery are busier than ever, right? Um, So I feel like that's a short-term impact, and I do expect that that will return to a more normal, steady state when the temporary shutdowns are over uh, and those kinds of things. Um, I think long-term, though, what I expect to see, and I I think this will be a good thing, um, is that there will be more focus on the security um, related to moving goods and people. Right. Um, So this can be everything from, you know, blockchain and and efforts that would control counterfeit movement of goods to, uh, you know, the health and safety of people as we move them through uh, public transportation systems. right? Right. So I do, you know, I don't know that we'll be taking people's temperature as they're getting on a bus anytime soon. But I do think that we will start to think about, you know, how people either have a, either they have a vaccine or they have an antibody or some kind of verification of, of both of those things. Those could be built into passport applications going forward and so forth. So, so I would expect those types of long-term. Uh, enhanced focus on safety and security to be a benefit that we will see going forward that will really make a big difference.
0: Yeah, no, that's a really good point. So, uh, you know, I think uh, everybody benefits from a, a solid and robust supply network, you know, whether we work in that industry or we just simply rely on the products being in the being in the stores. Um, is so, so how can we support the work that you're doing? Are there, are there policies that either you wish we had or you wish we didn't have that maybe from an advocacy standpoint we can get out and, and help push for? Uh, how, how can we help you in the work you're doing?
1: So honestly, one of the things that I think both consumers and companies can do um, and I hope this will be a sustained appreciation, but you know, if it were not for the truck drivers on the roads today, we would not be getting replenishment of goods into our grocery stores and we would not be getting essentially needed medical supplies to the hospitals that need them, right? Um, I hope that there's a newfound appreciation for uh, that industry, you know, the trucking community, which is so important. Um, you know, sometimes they are not thought of, you know, favorably, you know, people are caught in congestion behind a truck and they're, you know, rather annoyed instead of being grateful. And I, I hope that one of the things that we can all do is kind of, you know, we can implement, we can change our behavior, um, around, um, that segment of the logistics economy, which is so critical.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: so I, I, I hope that that is a kind of newfound appreciation that has some long legs.
0: Good. No, I'm glad you mentioned that. Suzanne, is there anything that, that I didn't ask you that you uh, would like to share with us?
1: I just hope everyone stays safe and, and healthy. And um, we're looking forward to being back, you know, in, into a more normal sense of business um, sooner rather than later.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you, Suzanne. I appreciate your time this morning.
1: Thank you, Michael. Bye-bye.